Hello, and welcome to this special bonus episode of PodPod. I'm Adam Shepard, editor of PodPod, and you're about to hear some of the highlights from our first ever industry roundtable event. We gathered a range of experts from across the world of podcasting, including our launch partners, at a restaurant in London to discuss some of the major trends around podcast audiences and revenue, including the role of paid subscriptions, the growth of short-form podcasting, and changes in listener behaviour. It was a fascinating conversation with a lot of great insights. One minor disclaimer that I should add is that we weren't originally planning to release the audio from this session, so the recording quality isn't ideal. But the conversation was so good that we wanted to release it anyway. Enjoy. So I'm Charlotte Emery, I'm Chief Brand Officer at William Hill, one of the most established bookies in the UK and internationally. And I guess one of the things that we're particularly interested in is obviously how much of the podcast is coming through sports and it feels much more personal in terms of the commentaries and all of the content that is out there in relation to some of the more fixed broadcasting. And we have actually ventured starting this summer into creating our first podcast, which is Stripped. And I guess we're looking at how we can work alongside some of the podcasts to create brand linkage in relation to sport, which is why this felt very timely. Okay, I'm Carl Newman. I'm MD of Publicist Media Content, representing the three Publicist Media agencies, Starcom Zenith and Spark Foundry. I kind of do everything that isn't a traditional media buy. So all things that are content. So media partnerships, and then that can be podcasts. Uh, influencer marketing, which also has a link with podcasting. I also have half the team really creating and curating content. So content strategy, which for this case would be determining what you should be saying, what topics you should be covering, where you should be putting it, and what it looks like. On top of that, we've got production team that can help make stuff when we don't partner with somebody. And a social team that helps push that out to organic audiences. And podcast has become is just one of those areas that I've noticed in the certainly in the partnership of that's just grown and grown and grown with people like Aircast. Good segue. <laughs> You've done this before. Um, I'm Lizzie Pollitt. I am a runner and a Watford fan. But when I'm not doing that, I do some work and I work at Acast. Thank you. I'm in charge of all our marketing, PR, and brand globally. So just in case anyone's not familiar with Acast, we host, monetize, and distribute 88,000 podcasts around the world. We work with everyone from Mark Maron in the US, Off Menu, Adam Buxton, Catherine Ryan, The Guardian, many big publishers, and then we match them with advertisers, both with media agencies and clients direct and we are also a tech company so we provide all the tech to do that and it's great fun. I'm Nicole Jackson, I'm the head of audio at The Guardian and we make lots of podcasts. I joined the audio team about five years ago, I was in multimedia before that and I launched Today in Focus along with Phil and Anushka and yeah it was it's been such a kind of success it's enabled us to launch a bunch of other podcasts uh, including our first narrative series Can I Tell You a Secret which went to number one here and in Australia and New Zealand this year and we just launched uh, Pop Culture with Shante Joseph and a bunch of other shows. Hi I'm Catherine, I look after membership at IAB, so IAB UK is the Internet Advertising Bureau with a trade body for digital advertising but since 2015 I've been looking after kind of all things audio and podcasting at the IAB as well. So I've been involved in things like launching podcast upfronts, tracking spend in podcasting uh, for the first time in 2020, and tracking growth in podcast spend as well, as well as running our audio advisory group, which many of the companies in this room sit on. 
And I'm Andrea Fenel. I work at HSBC, looking after all paid social for our UK-based brands. Used to work more with the promoting podcast for our previous employer and also involving in, in the in-house production. Currently just looking after all things we need to promote on social channels as well as influencers. And I'm Neil Cowling. I run Fresh Air. Fresh Air is the biggest producer of podcasts for brands in the UK. I come from a broadcast radio background from BBC, and we specifically make podcast series for brands. So we work for WWF, for Legal and General, for lots of different financial brands, Barclays. We work for large corporates, government departments, really wide range of types of organisations who want to create their own content rather than just advertising around other people's. So we take it all the way from building a strategy, why you should make a podcast and how that would work for you. We make it, we promote it, so it's a sort of full service. The last two years at ACAST, we've seen massive boost in news podcasting mm. and a shift in behaviour, mm. like you were talking about with the rest of politics, from people potentially listening to their news on a radio, on in the car, to actually choosing to listen to, whether it's Today in Focus or the rest of politics or, and so on and so forth. So I'd actually say that news is probably one of the biggest fastest growing news and current affairs and that rise of daily podcasting mm. like mm. I think years and years ago I don't know but I would never have anticipated that people would but now like I listen to my news as a podcast so like mm. I always used to listen to the daily and then it was stay in focus mm. and I think that's very different in terms of consumption habits as well yeah. isn't it yeah. Yeah, you can really see that they're getting shorter and shorter. It's more like a 10-minute episodes rather than when you started listening. It. A podcast was 45 minutes. Yeah, I like that bite-sided approach to the news as well. And again, yeah. I keep coming back to this. It's personal. It's in your own time. Mm. That you, It's not a fixed time. Mm. Enjoy that in the news. Well, it's replicated actually in just radio, right? So mm. LBC's seen massive growth in the last few years. So people have just got more interested in that stuff. Mm. And the same rules apply there, shorter, shorter context, everything repeated every 15 minutes. Same thing that it's even Sky News has been doing for 20 years. And it is getting shorter. Anecdotally, one of the sort of interesting trends that, that I've seen is that people will follow multiple news podcasts and mm. won't go just to say the times and that's where they get all of their mm. news in podcast form they will follow the times the guardian news agents bbc sounds a bunch of different sources and will pick which source they go to for individual mm. stories based on you know who they think is going to provide the best kind of contextual coverage and various different Factors, which I think is a very interesting shift to traditional news sources and even kind of web-based and digital journalism where certainly anecdotally there seems to be a lot more brand loyalty than there does with podcasts on a sort of day-to-day basis. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, just speaking from personal consumption, I mentioned I listen to politics over America, and I noticed that when they talk about British news, like politics story, I'm like, I haven't really got that right. And it makes me think, yeah, I wouldn't listen to anything about here. I'd go to the Guardian or whatever it might be. And I do, I pick who I think will be have the most compelling perspective on the story that I want to dig into that day. Mm. So you're right, it's very, I mean, that's just my experience, but I think that is reflective of... Lot of people. It'll be really interesting to see Pod Save the UK starts yes. in the spring. Mm. It'll be really interesting to see how, how that comes through because I think part of the appeal of the of Pod Save America for us was you're sort of watching this car crash from a distance. <laughs> but again, it's the same as Restless Politics, isn't it? Diving into the detail of it. Mm. I hope that they manage to capture that same spirit with Pod Save oh, yeah. the UK. I, I worry slightly that, that it might just come to the surface. I'd, I'd love to hope that it 
doesn't do that. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because pod save and the rest of politics, the reason they're so good is inside. You, they, the, when people are like, I was in that room, mm. yeah. and I can tell yeah. you, yeah. that is just yeah. such gold. Mm. And I wonder, I really rate Nish Kumar, but I'm interested to see how he's going to sort of bring that, I guess, like with his guests, right? Yeah. 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 And I think having a comedian is a really good shout as well. That's why pod save is so good, right? They're yeah. very humorous. Definitely. Yeah. With the rest of politics as well, it's because they've got the different perspectives. Yeah. Like, obviously, ex-Conservative and Labour. Like, I think that brings a lot to the table because you don't yeah. get that in an amicable way very often these mm. days, do you? I personally never like the revolving door of brand sponsorship on anything, whether that's TV ident or anything. It's just put the next brand on. Um, so I really think for us when we looked at it at William Hill it was there is a plethora of sports stuff out there what what would William Hill doing something in this what would it say that was differently to your point so um, in our advertising we try to reflect the tender love and cruelty between sports fans which is the, the banter and the rivalry and all of that and it's like so where can that come and that, and that exists a lot within podcasts and then we have this thing which is the regulation and reputation of our industry and how does that fit come in so how can we be clear that whatever we're working with is appropriate content for an industry that is under a lot of scrutiny and that for us is probably <coughs> the tension between we would often like to be bolder in terms of the entertainment and the relationship that we can do but we also have this nervousness about we're not controlling the content <laughs> a lot of the time and that audience guarantee about who we can talk to because of the industry mm. that we operate in. So it's attention to that answer. Yeah, absolutely. We talk a lot about what's the what's the podcast that only you could make. Yeah. You know, the, lots of people could make a, a, a sports podcast, but what, what could William Hill do differently? A lot of people want to start a podcast for the sake of starting a podcast without any clear idea of what they want it to achieve. And that's, for me, the starting point for every podcast should be, what is the goal of this podcast? What am I trying to do, both from a business standpoint, if you're working within a large brand, but also from a creative standpoint? Am I just doing it because I love the sound of my own voice? Or is there a, a conversation or a topic that I feel like I can actually contribute something to and that I feel passionate about. And I think too often that is an afterthought rather than the mm. starting place. Oh, we've definitely seen a shift. Uh, I'd say when I first started ACAS about five years ago, there was much more of a feeling like, well, I'm a big celebrity, I'm a big personality, I've got to follow I can start a podcast and it will get loads of listens. Mm. And now that's mm. just not the case. And what yeah. I love seeing is perhaps people with lower profile who hit on a brilliant idea which then the podcast just makes them soar mm -hmm. so I'm thinking about things like Off Menu so when yes. Off Menu first crossed our desk in summer 2018 I remember being in a meeting and obviously James and Ed well respected comedians in their own right but they weren't yet at that sort of level mm. and I was like okay so it's like Desert Island Discs for food. Let's see how this goes. And now it's one of the biggest podcasts in the UK. It's mm. consistently sold out with advertisers. They're doing two more nights at the Royal Festival Hall next week. Both sold out in two minutes. Wow. Um, and off the back of that, Ed is now a judge on Great British Menu. And he's really crafted this sort of, you know, food, I don't want to say the word influencer, um, but sort of food expert. And, but 
you wouldn't have necessarily picked that out of a lineup five years ago that it would become. So what I'm saying is, you know, hitting on the right idea can really just fly, and you don't have to necessarily be the biggest voice in the world. And I think that is often what we're not these days is patient to allow things to grow. Mm. So it's a really good idea. Like everybody was sort of saying about the tension with our business units. It's now, now, now. But actually, I think it's about the longevity of ideas and the brand relationships mm. that work really powerfully, that when you become synonymous with something, mm. you're always showing up with that podcast mm. brand idea. That's when it becomes really powerful for mm. me. Yeah, absolutely. Holding your nerve, letting it build. Letting it, yeah. yeah, and you know what? Sometimes podcasts, um, podcasters uh, who come into the space they say to me, oh, how do I grow my, you know, what's the silver bullet? As we all know, there is no silver bullet to growing your audience for podcasts. And I say some of the biggest podcasts in the UK today have just been doing it a long time and putting in the effort, yeah. releasing weekly, promoting it. It didn't start as a massive hit, but now, you know, so... But I think there are things you can do, right? Like, I think it's like really planning, like, you know, really thinking about what it is, thinking about the quality. Mm. Like, we talked a lot a while ago about piloting and mm. things like that. Um, you know what I mean? I think, like, there isn't a silver bullet, but I also think, like, I know and I listen to edits and I'm like, that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, mm. And, like, I was pretty sure by the end that Can I Tell You a Secret would be a hit. Mm. You, don't you feel that? It's like you can tell the ones that are, like, probably going to do well. Yes and no. I I do think that obviously if it's a very poorly recorded podcast, it sounds rubbish. You're not majority of listeners are going to turn off within thirty seconds. Mm. But I think it's so broad now, which is a good thing. I think the barrier to entry is so low and in a good way. It doesn't mm. mean it's low quality. It means that anyone can literally start a podcast and anyone could potentially have success. Mm. Um, but I I do think it's going to take longer and it's going to be harder to build up that big following if the quality isn't there. Yeah, you've got to find all the right pull all the right levers not only in just the way you produce it but all the other kind of assets that you create around it so that you're able to promote it in all the right ways mm-hmm. um, you know so there's short edits that will live in the right places but it is about being consistent in, in how often you produce it so people know to, yeah. know to expect it but also listening to your audience if you don't do that you, you, you're more likely to fall over yeah and the big challenge is mm. when launching something there are more podcasts than there are Pebbles on Brighton Beach. Yes. Right, so. And you fact check. <laughs> if you have more than, I think it's 500 listens per episode in the first seven days, you are in the top, I think it's 5% of all podcasts globally. And yeah. granted, that figure is slightly skewed by the fact that there's <coughs> God knows how many, you know, me and my mate talking about Star Wars for three hours with like three listens. Mm-hmm. But I think the bar for what constitutes success, I think, is actually a lot lower than most people would think when looking at the likes of, you know, Joe Rogan or mm-hmm. Mark Maron or you know, these titanic podcast and actually for my money it's depth of engagement Mm. that is the most valuable metric Mm. you know particularly for niche podcasts and podcasts that are targeted on a specific you know topic or issue or demographic you know you may only have 250 listeners say but if they're the right listeners and they're coming back week after week and they're listening all the way through and absorbing the content that's infinitely more valuable, both from a sort of creator and mm. advertiser perspective, I would argue. Mm. Well, one of the best it? examples we have on it in Amplify is, is Allianz. So, um, Allianz, we create a series called Insurance Tomorrow, 
hosted by Steph McGovern. It has less than 2,000 listeners per episode, but it's aimed entirely at insurance brokers. Mm. So it's about the future of the insurance industry. If you, if you don't work in the insurance industry, it is not for you. Mm. Um, <laughs> but about a quarter of their target market listen to that podcast. Mm. And therefore, mm. and it's, it's a B2B, yeah. you know, Allianz yeah. or a B2B yeah. brand. So that's a super engaged, again, goes back to they're not, they're not listening accidentally. They've chosen to educate themselves or, mm. uh, and, and it's, it's that brand that's bringing it to them. So it's, it's super valuable at that point without ever troubling the mm. iTunes charts. Yeah, and pod can be used for lots of different things. I mean, it's not just you know, creating a podcast, putting it out there, trying to garner an audience, tell a brand story, which kind of is that level from advertising to still a brand saying what they want to say. Um, but you move further down through the content sort of, um, continuum from what a brand wants to say to what a customer wants to hear to get to that you can produce stuff for, for search you know mm. so you've got your website you know you want, you want your website to uh, perform well save yourself on paid right put podcast in there because it does the thing that Google rewards which is holds an audience in so yes you can write copy that's already exists on the website more often not than people choose to make video that works gets rewarded by Google lifts it up the search Audio would do the same thing, and it's a lot cheaper to produce, than, mm. uh, and it can be like more interesting than the written content, more depth, more engaging. You know, multiple voices telling the story. It's really, really powerful. And there's a whole, there's a whole, and we say B two B. There's mm. lots of different jobs that podcasting can do yeah. in the marketing space. And that's what's really interesting about it. Yeah, and internal podcasting, internal company marketing podcast is, I think, a really fascinating use case where it's stuff that is by design very sort of insular and inward looking and not not even put out into the public sphere, but just stick it on the internet or whatever. And here's what we've got going on across the business this week is interviews with key leadership folks and that's a really I think interesting and exciting way to use audio to transform existing processes in a way that is in a lot of cases more engaging than just we're going to stick a, a blog post or an email blast out I think companies use it for training as well, don't they? Is it Audi that do that, it, like with a lot of big American companies, which is quite interesting. The question I was going to ask you, this might be quite a basic one, is do you get many creators who've built audiences like slowly, week by week, that then want to monetize their back catalogue and yep. go back through it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that probably happens quite a lot now. Yeah. Especially if you've got... I guess now that we're talking about the benefit of niche audiences and stuff, they realise they can do that. Yeah. Because, of course... Um, we monetize on weekly listens, not episode per episode. Yeah. So many people have a massive back catalogue. So if you listen to an episode of Adam Buxton from five years ago, you're going to get an up-to-date advert. It's yeah, as simple yeah. as that. So yeah, I mean, back catalogues are... That's why there is an argument for just putting out as much as you can. <laughs> as long as it's high quality. <laughs> you were talking about the self-serve ads mm. for SMBs. I'd be really interested to see kind of over, over time, the amount of smaller podcasters that engage with that self-serve marketplace as an audience kind of acquisition yeah. tool. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we've we just launched our platform last week and it is very much targeted to brands but also podcasters because it's actually relatively cheap as marketing budgets go. There's a massive misconception, by the way, that the biggest podcasts also have loads of 
for marketing. It's mm. not true. Mm. I see tweets sometimes and I have to hold myself back from replying when it's like, yeah, well, of course, you know, they've got masses of money to spend on marketing. I'm like, it's simply not true. Yeah. We're not at a Hollywood movie stage mm. yet, you know. Yeah, it's things like recommendation or mm. it's the paid for recommendation or the natural recommendation mm -hmm. comes with it and it is still the other touch points it's, yeah. it's TikTok it's using actually the essence of TikTok and Reels mm. it's using the essence of a pod not all of them but a lot of the more successful pods are essentially informed chat in a pub you've got th two or three people sat around talking and you are the listener in the way that right now I'm the only one talking you're all listening right and that's that's the same thing in a podcast and it is it feels like that you know being in that pub chat or that coffee shop chat mm. translates really nicely into an Instagram reel yeah. or a TikTok mm. and that that's the power of that marketing because you can take something really interesting a little snippet that's no more than 30 seconds long and draw people in mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And just to add to that social aspect, also the measurability. Mm. Um, so social channels, it's very easy to find your target group and measure as well on a small budget or a smaller budget rather than above the line advertising. Mm. Mm. So to your point, the bridge between where you can really make it like good content, really good snippet, for example... I listened to, first I listened to the interview diary of the CEO when they were interviewing Whitney Wolford, uh, founder of Bumble. And the experience from first I listened and then I switched to taking my laptop, looking at YouTube in my bed. And it was a totally different experience because then I could see her facial expressions and how their chemistry was between, even though the podcast is really good, but they changed my experience totally from... Uh, the audio and then diving into like more a visual setting mm -hmm. and uh, that's why I think social works very well back to reels TikTok mm -hmm. and all of the recommendation the aspect of recommendation media TikTok is off the charts in terms of driving listeners to um Podcast and also it's our biggest acquisition channel in attracting new podcasters to Acast. We yeah. run a lot of marketing, spend a lot of money on obviously getting people to start podcasts with us. And TikTok is again um, massive in those respects, and they're making great strides in. They're, they're getting much more into podcasting. Um, they're in our building actually, and we had a great meeting with them the other day. Yeah, um, but. For me, I'm a purist and podcasts will always be the audio first and the video supports it. On the subject of paid content, because that is, I think, a very exciting development in terms of revenue and in terms of monetization, where do you guys see the biggest opportunities for paid content. So obviously platforms like Patreon have been around for donkeys and been very successful for independent podcasters to start building that revenue stream again, particularly if they're niche podcasts that don't necessarily have the scale to support mass media programmatic monetization strategies. But it's starting to find its way into more established brands and more established podcasts offering kind of additional depth of content for super fans, if you like. But where is the biggest opportunity market-wise for you guys? 
I was going to say, it might sound counterintuitive, but number one is ad-free content. Yeah. So we see that as the biggest. So we have Acast Plus, which is our subscription product. So any podcast can start a paid membership and it can be on any app, listen to on any app. Ad-free content is the number one thing because there are the people who would gladly pay, whether it's £3 a month, just to listen ad-free. And we're fine with that because the creator is still getting revenue, uh, albeit just in a, in a different form. So that's number one. I don't think that paid podcasting will ever out pace like free podcasts and I think the the real opportunity mm. is those that can offer as you say bonus content um, exclusive content or you know just extra episode as in like okay we leave, leave our free listeners here and if you want the extra part so the rest is politics do that particularly well I mean many brands are doing it really well um, as you've said already bonus or exclusive content rather than necessarily full episodes behind paywalls is, is, is what we're seeing a lot of success with at the minute yeah I mean, you, you've got to understand that like, you know, podcast lives in a world of time, yeah. right? and we don't have endless amounts of time. Our media consumption still lives in the same shape it has done for 50 years. We spend most of our time consuming between 6 and, and 10 million. Um, podcasts can live outside of that. It has that benefit because it's portable transport. You can take it with you, you can listen to it in the car, on the train, whatever. But still, you can compete for someone's time, and there are lots of podcasts. Mm. And if you're, you, 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 you're adding an extra layer of competition when you're adding money. So yeah. you compete for money and time. Mm. And that's a lot of choices. And people, you know, and that, you know we are in a, a, a time you know, we're entering into economic hardship around mm. the country. Um, charging people and asking for their time, I think, is a step too far for a lot of people, mm. uh, especially when there is just a so much other content out there for free. Oh. I noticed Tortoise sort of on their series, they try and re- they offer a sort of you can get the next episode early, don't they? Which mm. is sort of feels like a potential halfway house. Mm. But again, I guess that's the super fan. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be really committed, haven't yeah. you? It's got to be yeah. real value in there. I would have like, done that with cereal, you know. Yeah, cereal, yeah. <laughs> that was just a small selection of some of the topics we discussed. You can look out for more highlights from future Roundtable events to come in the new year on a variety of topics, and we promise they'll have better audio quality. Thanks to all of our panellists for joining us, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, why not leave us a rating and a review? I've been Adam Shepard, and the podcast was produced by Emma Corsham for Haymarket Business Media. We'll see you next time. Mm